Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth and of all things visible and invisible. That's what we confess together every week in the Nicene Creed. That there are things in this world that we can see and things in this world that we cannot see. Things visible and invisible. Sometimes what is invisible becomes visible. The Hubble Space Telescope is enabling us to see things far out in the universe that we've never seen before. (coughs) Electron microscopes make things too tiny to be seen, big enough to be seen by our eyes. And the scriptures tell us that even angels, normally invisible beings, have sometimes been seen with human eyes. But this much is sure. There's a lot more going on around us all the time than meets the eye. More than we can see and know. And not just in the physical realm, but especially in the spiritual realm. There are good angels, the angels of God, protecting and fighting for us. And there are the evil angels, demons, Tempting us and fighting against us. That's the reality in which we live. So now here's the question. How do we understand and interpret this reality? What does it mean? Is it good or is it bad? Scientists, when looking at and evaluating things in the physical world, often disagree on a question like this. They take what can be seen, gather the data about it, and try to understand it and interpret what it means. And that can be very difficult to do. In fact, they often come to different conclusions, even though they're using the same data. Well, how much more then for the spiritual world. How do we understand and interpret what cannot be seen? Or when something happens that cannot be explained, how do we judge what is happening? Is it good or is it evil? Is it godly or demonic or is it neither? Just a grand cosmic accident. Perhaps we think we can know that we can judge and interpret rightly. But can we? Do we? Adam and Eve could not. Even with their perfect minds, untainted yet by sin, they got it wrong. Or as we heard Eve say in the Old Testament reading earlier, she was deceived. They made a judgment that eating this fruit would be good. And perhaps based upon physical characteristics alone, 
It was. The fruit was good for food and a delight to the eyes, we are told. But the invisible reality, the spiritual reality was quite different. And that they got quite wrong. This eating was not good and it made for a whole lot more not good as not only were Adam and Eve plunged into sin and death with this eating, but so was every generation born after them. From now on, there would not be peace, but as we heard, enmity and strife. They got it wrong, and it was a disaster. This is also what we heard in the Holy Gospel today. Things were happening that could not be explained. Jesus was saying and doing things that could not be explained. So what's going on? How do we understand and interpret these things? The people wondered. Is this godly or is it demonic? Is it good or is it evil? Well, some, perhaps many, judged wrongly. He is out of his mind, they said. And others judge that he is possessed by Beelzebul, by the prince of demons. He is casting out demons. What we cannot see, or what is behind these things we can see but cannot explain, is not good, they thought. It is evil. It is demonic. For us in our world today, actually, I think many tend to have the opposite problem. When there are things in our world today that cannot be explained, supernatural, spiritual things, I think the judgment most often made is that these things are good. That they are godly and of God. These are messages from God. These are visions of heaven, a divine helping hand. Maybe they are. Maybe they're not. How do we know? If Adam and Eve got it wrong, and the people of Jesus' day got it wrong, how do we know we haven't got it wrong? That what cannot be explained but seems good really is good. Or what cannot be explained but seems bad really is bad. In fact, I would suggest to you this is exactly what Satan wants and what he is trying to get you to do. Interpret things wrong. To see the good things of God as demonic, like with Jesus. And to see the evil that he is doing, like with Adam and Eve, as good. He wants to confuse you, deceive you. He has designed your fall, we just sang. Yes, Satan's got plans for you, big plans. Maybe this is how he is doing it. Or at least one of the ways he is doing it. And so it was with the folks in Jesus' hometown. They got it wrong. They were deceived by the master deceiver. They were deceived, for the reality 
was exactly the opposite of what they thought and how they judged. And as Jesus then taught them, what was happening was not of Satan and was not Satan against Satan. It was, in fact, the very Son of God in human flesh showing his dominion over the forces of evil and foreshadowing what would be his greatest victory over those forces when he would destroy the power of death in the grave through his death and resurrection. They got that wrong too. The disciples saw Jesus and they, and they saw the cross and they saw Jesus on it and they thought that was the greatest evil, the most horrible wrong that could ever be. And the reality was exactly the opposite. This is how God was working his greatest good and the salvation of the world. This was God fulfilling his word to Adam and Eve and inflicting upon the serpent a greater injury, a bruised head, than he himself was enduring a bruised heel. Even though it looked exactly the opposite. And so Jesus is not possessed by, but binding the forces of evil. He is binding the one who is stronger than us, but not stronger than he. And this too, creating for us a new reality, a new family. Not an unclean one with unclean spirits like we got from Adam and Eve but a new family of those cleansed by water and the word. Not a family just here below, but a new family born from above by the Spirit. A family of faith. Not to replace our earthly families, but to give us even more. Our earthly families, our blood ties, are gifts and precious and are to be cherished. But they do not last forever. Parents die, children sometimes die. Families are sometimes ripped apart. But the family of faith we are given here, our water ties will not end, but last forever. This too is a family to be cherished. This family where water is thicker than blood. Of course, what Jesus said here too about this new family seemed crazy. More evidence that he must be out of his mind. All these people are Jesus' mothers and brothers and sisters. But he was simply expressing a reality. That though it cannot be seen, it's nevertheless very real. And in fact, more real than what we can see. For as Paul said, it is what we cannot see, the unseen, that is greater, that is eternal. What we can see, our outer nature, is wasting away. Our bodies getting older, wearing out, dying, the world coming apart at the seams, our culture tearing itself apart, kingdoms and nations rise and fall, come and go. History books and cemeteries are good reality checks for those who think it not so. 
But we do not fear. For there is another reality that we cannot see. And this reality, Paul says, is not wasting away or falling apart. But the very opposite. It is being renewed day by day. And we are being prepared for a future which is both glorious and eternal. Okay. That brings us back to the original question. How do we know? How can we know what is real, what is good, what is not good? How do we interpret and understand what we see and how can we judge what we cannot see? How do we get it right? Well, only by the word of the one who knows. The one who not only sees both the visible and the invisible but the maker of all things visible and invisible. Did I say that right? Who sees and makes all things visible and invisible. The one who knows more than us and reveals to us what we cannot see and what we do not know. We know only by the word of God. Only by the word of God can we sit by the bed of someone in hospice care or stand by the graveside in a cemetery and know that death is not the end. It looks exactly the opposite. Only by the word of God can we know that the cross is an instrument of God for good. Both Jesus' cross and the crosses he lays on us. Seems just the opposite. Only by the word of God can we know the bread and wine laid upon this altar become the body and blood of our Lord upon his word, given and shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. It's only by the word of God that we can interpret correctly the things of this world in life that just maybe what the world calls good isn't. And what we think is bad might instead actually be, as Paul said, a slight momentary affliction that is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. Some might scoff at that, at us, like they scoffed at Jesus. That's okay. We will continue to confess it. That is, say the same thing as God. What he has said is true. We will speak his word and trust when we cannot. When there is no answer or we have no answer to what is happening. When sometimes things remain a mystery to us. But this we know. That the Jesus who drove out demons is driving them out still. That the Jesus who defeated death is defeating it still. That the Jesus who forgave sins is forgiving them still. That the Jesus who created all things good is working good still. And that the Jesus who created all things 
is creating for himself a new family still, which includes you. And that, as Paul tells us, when our earthly home is destroyed, whether that be our bodies or our world, when our earthly home is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For as we live in Christ and in His house here, not despising the Spirit, but washed and fed and absolved by Him here, so will we live forever. For the kingdom that will last is of the one who rose from the dead. Your brother, who rose for you and will raise you too. To life with your family forever. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit.